Who are we again? Wall, wall crawler one. <laughs> <laughs> I never get that right, man. I never can. They forced me one day to come up with a name, and it's that it, like they wouldn't let me use the one name I wanted to use. But do you do you want a different name? No. What, what was the name you wanted to use? He said it was too long to say. I'm not gonna say it. Don't say it. Okay, I don't remember. That's why I'm asking. Good, because I don't want. I don't okay. want to say it. I am Wallcrawler One. Uh, and I am Turk One Eighty Two. <clears throat> and uh, welcome back to another episode of In the Gutters, the spaces between comic book panels. If your panels actually have a space between, um, and that's really what Dave Matthews was singing all about. The here and now. So, uh, so anyway, we are talking today about uh, well. <laughs> Our official topic today uh, is about comic books, which is what in uh, in the gutters is all about. With our last uh, our last podcast, we were talking, and I think we were we were at the end we were talking about Chris Claremont, and uh, I was just kind of we were talking about, uh, or I was talking about X Men and how kind of he really shaped that world for me, the X Men, not so much the Marvel universe, but the X Men world. And how he made them such living, breathing characters, and how he made me feel for them. You know, growing up reading those books, um, and I think they said it uh, really well in uh, in that documentary. A couple like documentary interviews I've seen with Claremont, where you know the whole idea that death means something. You know, death in the Marvel universe means something. Um, and at the time when I was reading X Men. Uh, you didn't see a lot of deaths. Uh, you know, I knew that uh, Captain Marvel was dead because uh, you know he died in the, the death of Captain Marvel graphic novel. I knew that Jean Grey was dead. We'd seen that. Um, and uh, was it uh, Thunderbird was dead? But you haven't really seen a lot of uh, a lot of other deaths. Oh, I guess Gwen Stacy and that sort of thing. Well, oh yeah, I think that was, I was gonna say too. Like Jim Starlin. He got super dark, man. I almost say like he's like a um, like a Frank Miller meets Chris Claremont, you know, because he's because he's got the darkness, but he's got the good storytelling too. So, because Gilgamesh. Oh God, Gilgamesh man, is amazing. Dreadstar, man. Oh, that thing. God. It's it's good, but man, is it dark? It is dark. I think he deals with Thanos, you know. I all that. always wanted to read Dreadstar. I used to always see those ads, and I always wanted to read Dreadstar, and I just never got a chance to. I think I picked up like an issue here or there, but I never got a chance to like just read it from the beginning. But like, oh, this is Dreadstar. When I was a kid reading it, I shouldn't have been reading it. It was an adult. It was adult uh, storyline for sure. Oh yeah, I, <clears throat> I don't doubt that at all. Um, but I was gonna say like, uh, Jim Starlin was pretty. He he did death stuff like because yeah. when you say Captain Marvel like. But that that's that's the thing with it. Um, uh, Chris Claremont, you know, at the time reading it, there wasn't a there wasn't this whole idea of like that death was temporary. It was death was something that happened. And when you read the X Men, he would take the X Men to the point of I don't say to the point of death, but he would take them to that point where. You were unsure if they were going to die. It was getting to the point where you would expect them any moment that they were like, okay, this character is gone, but he wouldn't kill them. And I think that's one of the one of the, the best parts of his writing was that he wasn't okay. I'm going to kill them and then bring them back. It was that I'm going to get them right there to the edge where 
they're teetering on the brink, and then I'm going to pull them back from the edge. And then you're like, okay, they dodged a bullet this time, as opposed to where I'm going to kill them. And then, you know, later on, we're going to bring them back. Like, oh, I found this really way to bring you back. And then even then, there's never any consequences. There's never any, uh, like, okay, I died, and now I'm back to life. And what does that mean for me? Did they, um, did, did we uh, talk about that before with the Phoenix part yet? Where, like, he went to Shooter. Yeah. He was talking about, like, so, yeah, and that whole thing, like, uh, he was lucky that it was the Phoenix character that they had to bring back because it makes sense. It's so funny that he didn't want to do that, mm. but of all the characters to come back, that does make sense. Phoenix. Right. You know, like, so at least it works. It, 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 he didn't intend for her to come back, but Phoenix, even right. if it's dark, yeah, it makes It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's who she is. Yeah, yeah. But, so, like I said, looking at that, what... When we talked about it before, we talked about how the um, it wasn't just that they they did this or they did that. It was how grounded Claremont made them. I remember in uh, one of the issues of X Men after Secret Wars two, and Nightcrawler had met the Beyonder, and there's a there's a, a part in the one issue where Nightcrawler is saying, "I don't know what this means for my faith because I've met someone." Who god. was right? Who was literally a god? Yeah. Um, and it's like, and he's like, was that the god, or was it a god? And if it's a god, what does that mean for me being, you know, of Catholic faith? And that, and that I mean that was that was something real. He didn't he didn't dwell. He didn't give you an answer to it. It was it, it was a crisis of faith that Nightcrawl was going through, and he put it out there just like a real person would wonder. And that, I'd like to think God would have a better outfit. Well, let's just and better hair. Let's okay. just let's just say that was, he was going to be God personified. That was '80s personified, and it was just terrible. Okay, that was all Peter Parker's fault. <laughs> yeah, because he's one of the first people that he runs into. Peter Parker is the guy that taught him how to go to the bathroom. I'm not sure if a lot of people remember that, <laughs> but you can look it up. It's absolutely true. When Beyonder makes himself a body in Secret Wars two. He ends up talking to Peter Parker, and Peter Parker's the one that tells him how to use the bathroom. Well, I think that's funny, too. It's like that you would think that you – that was – it's so cool that if you think about it, you've got a god, and he's very childlike at the same time because he knows nothing. Right. So right there it tells you it's not our – well, the, the one we talk about, God, because he had no play, as far as we know, in creating us because he would have – at least known something about us, you'd think. But then you think about it, would he? What if he just said, let there be life, and then he kind of like just, he kind of pays attention, kind of does it. It makes you wonder. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. Right. I mean, he, he, he told us, okay, you're going to have a sensation that's going to tell you when you got to go pee, when you got to go crap, or whatever. But does that mean he's going to know exactly what that sensation feels like? Because he'd have to be here to experience that. It, it's, it's, it's an interesting thought, you know? It's like you don't um you don't have to feel the feelings, you know, or go through the emotions. And I know that's the whole thing about Christ and you know, all that. So but yeah. But so it's interesting. So the uh um, not trying to go there. Yeah. Uh but the <laughs> that, the whole thing with uh with that is, you know, you had uh Nightcrawl had this crisis and then you know, they, we don't get an answer. That's something he has to come to terms with himself. And it's not for us to know. It's you know, it's for the character to know. Eventually, he got over it, or he found some way to deal with it. 
But the fact he put it in there and he's like, okay, this is something that, that a person like this would go through. And you look at your characters and you say, okay, for each one of these characters, as they're experiencing certain things, you know, how, how would a real person deal with this? And we talked about it a little bit last time when, when Storm went to her mohawk, you know, punk rock Storm. And she says, you know, I, she goes to this whole part where she feels free when she meets Yukio in Japan. And they're running around rooftop to rooftop and doing a lot of stuff. And she was like, this woman had this wild, crazy freedom that I've never felt before. And, and she started to embrace a whole new side of herself. And I do like the fact that they've occasionally brought back Mohawk Storm and the look to say that this wasn't a phase. This was a part of her, but she knows how to say, okay, I know when to cut loose and I know when to, you know, when to bring it back in. And I, so those are the kind of things that you see that he brought to the story that really made these characters feel genuine. And even when we go back to Cyclops leaving the X-Men because of Jean Grey's death, and he, he just, he's just kind of traveling the world – and in a, in a way, he's trying to run from the X Men. He's trying to run from, you know, dealing with, with uh, the death of Jean Grey, and uh, and all the emotions that come with it. And and that's something that somebody would do. And he doesn't just like, oh, you know, people have died before. We've been through some harrowing situations, and we get over it, you know. And you know, another podcast, and please listen to him if you haven't already, like where. You, you guys, and sometimes I've been there, um, this is your guys' show, but like uh, where we've done film theories, film theory for me mixed with the comic, you could associate Storm's um, transformation almost like Grease because like where she starts off and then by the end she's wearing the leather at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? because it's like she just transforms because she doesn't want to be – Sandra D anymore, you know, it's like that type of character. Because she's, because, and that's weird too, right? That's another thing. You had somebody who was Storm, she was in Cairo, she was stealing stuff from people, and then she becomes almost like this, uh, goody goody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. And then, and then she goes back to her roots. It's almost like a Wolverine type thing where she maybe suppressed that side of herself for a long time for some reason. I, I don't know. I never thought about it like that. Well, see, I, I think when she was a kid in Cairo stealing, she was doing it to survive. Survive, yeah. But she was, she still wasn't being her. She wasn't, like, exploring this wild side. Like, she was stealing, but she was stealing because of enjoyment. She wasn't running around with, like, the other kids and just, you know, Survival. just being dangerous. Right. Yeah. She was doing it because she had to survive. But then, you know, she does go to this thing, and then, you know, she shows up at the end of that X-Men issue, and she's like, and Colossus is like, he's like, Storm, he's like, you look dangerous. She's like, tell me about it, stud. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> she doesn't say that, it. but right. Yeah, but it, it, it was, and then they fly off of the car and stuff. It yeah. Kind of cool. And uh, so, yeah, but I mean, those are kind of things that, that he put in there that made it, you know, that really made those characters real and it really fleshed them out. So then when we get into something like, um, like, like we talked about, before about when Ilyana had been kidnapped into Belasco's world, uh, into Limbo, and then we get um, we get our first glimpse of of what like Nightcrawler and them. I didn't like that when I read that. It's creepy. It it was, and I was like, I don't I don't like this. I don't like what you've done to Nightcrawler. I'm like this. It was it was, it was like these like how could this happen? How could this happen to these characters? Like how could they just be so warped or changed? And uh, and you don't you don't 
have those kind of concerns if you don't care about a character. Yeah. Uh, and so, like I said, that... Yeah, you don't want to see the guy that you like being the complete opposite. I mean, that just ruins it. It's like... Yeah, exactly. And when he turned uh, in Limbo, when Kitty is a real cat, and yeah. uh, that, that's creepy, it man. It is creepy. It's, that's, that's, that's some disturbing stuff. Uh, but I'd say that's that's what he what he brought to the book. So when you get to those points that you know, there's uh, like the the whole thing with the brood, um, and you know, like just that that I remember reading it in that scene when Wolverine's thinking back because Claremont would drop you into a story, but the one the issue before would end, <clears throat> they'd be like you know oh hey they I don't even think when it came to uh, the issue with the brood I don't even think that. Remember them leading into, hey, they're going into space for Lilandra and Charles's wedding. Yeah. It was just like, oh, this story ended, and then the next one is like whatever the name of the title was, and then we get into it, and like Wolverine's being chased by Brood. I'm like, who the fuck are the Brood? Like, where do these guys come from? And and he's like, and I've got this egg inside me, and this thing's like, you know, gonna hatch or blah blah blah. And then it flips to that flashback. Where the brood queen's there, but everyone has been, you know, like uh, mesmerized into thinking that they're going to be receiving a gift from the queen. But knowing what it is, and there's that again, Kitty, where there's that scene where she's going up there, and the brood queen is implanting an egg in her. God, that's let me, let me ask you this: harrowing. you're you're a better brood guy. I, I I've <clears throat> I've always kind of shied away from a little bit because I always kind of thought they were rip off of aliens, which they are. But right. I mean, they're they're I've. I've started to appreciate it a little bit more, but I don't know a lot about it. Can you tell me, does somebody die once they have the eggs implanted in them after they come out? Do, do they Can they survive for multiple? Because think, I'm thinking about it. I was just thinking, like, Wolverine, they could do that to him all the time because he wouldn't die necessarily. No, the the egg actually transforms him completely. Completely. I, 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 okay. right. So that's why when... But wouldn't he heal then? Couldn't he heal from that eventually? Well, that's, he, that's, that's what happened he, to that, him. That's why he was able to do it. Okay. Right. Okay. And See, but he was, was like no one else... Because he... Wolverine was under the impression that if I can't find a way to get this egg out of them, I've got to kill them because the brute didn't have any powers. And what they wanted to do was implant eggs in them. They would then... Turn into that person, yeah, yeah, into yeah. a brood version, but then he would have their their abilities too. Okay. Okay. And so Wolverine's like, I'm gonna have to kill them if I can't find a way. Is that because I can fight it off? And even afterwards, his skin had that that reptilian like pattern to it while he was still healing. Um, okay. And uh, I've got to get, I've got to read that. I've got those in like the Marvel Masterworks. I just haven't. Yeah. I gotta go back. So and and the other thing about the brood was. The, the the brood fly around in these big huge uh these space whales called the Akanti. Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't get that, man. That was very bizarre. So you don't want to talk about dark. The Akanti are these living creatures. They're these like giant space yeah. whales that they would basically take over and turn into living into like these big flying cities. And they would control the Akanti and make them kind of like fly where they wanted to. But after a while, you know, they're they're living they're almost like parasites on this thing, this creature. And the creature yeah. would die, and they would then just move on to another one. I do remember that part of it. That's, that's bizarre. Yeah, and so you would see the, the whales, they would have these like little domed-like areas like sticking out of the top and whatever. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's some shit right there, man. It kind of reminds me of like Discworld-type stuff, like with the, the flying turtle, you know, the world. Sure. Yeah, so, I mean, that was... 
I remember like said watching them, like reading that, and you you really are kind of like, how was Wolverine going to do this? And not that Claremont was killing people off all the time, but you knew it was a possibility. I mean, you knew that it was a possibility that these things would happen. Um, and like I said, he would get them right there to the brink, and then he would save them. And then sometimes he would do things like, so that following issue, when we get introduced to, or when I got introduced to the New Mutants, what happens in that? You remember? Um, For the first time? Yeah. Well, it wasn't, um, it was the Brood that attacked it, but some other thing that was kind of like the Brood, right? It was the Brood. It was the Brood. Yeah, okay. the X-Men had come home after that space mission, and, because at the end of it, they're like, you know, how did this happen? We got up here. I'm and, thinking of the kitty. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the kitty pride one. Remember, she was like attached by like it's like Christmas. Oh, the the Angari. Yeah, that thing. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one too. Yeah, yeah. Where she's just, she's just running through that. Now that definitely was a straight up alien kind of like I don't want to say rip off, but mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but and she just runs through the house and this thing's just tearing ass after her. And I think she like leads into the danger room and tricks it in there, like turns it up to like the highest uh like lust setting. But uh, at the brood one. Yeah, you know, they come. They at the end. They at the end of the one issue. They're like, you know, there's only one way this could happen, um, because they brood queen or whatever says that there's still one left uh, that you'll never that I'll, I'll still win or something to that effect. And they're like, well, the only person it could be would be Professor X. Charles. Yeah, I remember and, that part. And they go down, and then there's that nice, which I've referenced so many times, that that double page spread of the X Men busting into the mansion with the New Mutants there. Um, and, it's, and at the time reading it, I didn't know there was a New Mutants comic because I think it was direct market only. You know and what? And I didn't have the graphic novel, so I'm like, who the, who the hell are these people in the X-Men's house? That was – wait a minute. Brain for it. Was that the first Paul Smith issue, 165? Uh, it I might have Because Dave Cockrum did the other – but I'm trying to think that there's that there's that cover of Storm turning into the brood. Um, and I'm trying to think of is that Dave Cochran cover or Paul Smith cover? Yeah, I think but, it is. I think it's. Uh... But that doesn't mean he did the inside. No, 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 no. Paul Smith did the uh, the issue. I think where we where we meet Lockheed. I think Paul. That's a Paul Smith. But it, like he he did the um that one right there. Yeah, that's 165. So maybe it was, what's the one before that? Uh, 165. That's, that's a Dave Cochran cover for the other one with the with binary. But I mean the that's the one I'm thinking of. So that's the second part. Yeah. Is that the one with the... I got, now, that's definitely a Paul Smith cover right there. Yeah. So, 165 might have been his first issue. No, right? the the the, um, the New Mutants was the one after that. It's the one with the black cover where Cyclops is carrying Professor X in his okay. arms. And you're okay. standing behind him. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the homage from... Um, there was another issue that looked like that, right? It was a... It was a wasn't there one that was like that for... John Byrne? Maybe I'm thinking of something. Uh, the, um, the, uh, so the death of Jean Grey one? Maybe. Or that's the, the, the funeral for Jean Grey? Maybe that's what it is. Uh, was that just the one where he leaves, where it's got him walking away that they've, that people have done homages to, like, so many times? Look at that art, man. They don't draw stuff like that anymore. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, but, um, so, uh, in that, uh, Professor Xavier turns into a brute because he wheels out. He's on the up. He's on the second floor, and he wheels out to the banister, and he turns into the brute because he. There's a scene where he like bends forward, and the wings pop out of his back, and uh, and I mean we already know that once you turn, you're turned. That's it. And he turns right there in front of them, and they fight him, 
and uh, and you're like, okay, Professor Xavier's dead. But then Lelandra shows up and she's like, oh, I'm going to clone his body. And they take him away and he gets a clone body. And then he comes back. Um, and the, even then when he comes back, those issues afterwards where he's not in charge, he's not running a team. But they do this whole thing where he um, he's going through rehab to learn how to use his legs because he's never he hasn't used his legs before, but he has no spinal injury anymore. And, he, and he wears the terrible headband and the yeah. wristband. I was like, I hate that. It's so bad. And the really super short shorts of the 80s. Yes, those 80s like basketball shorts. Oh. But, it was, I mean, that was a really, uh, really cool concept. You'd be like, okay, there's nothing wrong with his body now, but he hasn't used his legs in so long. They're still atrophied. Yeah. In his mind, yeah, yeah. it's like I got to remember how to walk again. I haven't had to think about how to move these legs because I couldn't. Have. So, so that was kind of that was kind of cool. But again, you know, said taking him to the brink, and in this case, we actually do see him die. But it's it, they're told you're told right away he's not dead, and we can we can bring him back. We can clone his body, which is the um, which actually leads to issue two hundred when Magneto takes over during that fen- that double size issue with Fenris because. Xavier has a heart attack, and Lilandra shows up again. She's like, yeah, when we cloned his body, there was like a slight defect with his heart, so we're going to take him away to fix that defect. And that's why Magneto was put in charge of the school, and Xavier is gone for the next, like, however many issues. I like John Byrne's art, or not John Byrne, um, John Romita Jr.'s art. I do. Like, uh, I really think his early stuff is great. Like, uh, His first run on X-Men, I enjoyed. Yeah, it was great. And, like, uh, I know that Chris Claremont wasn't his favorite. But I but I'll say during that time period, I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if he designed the designs for those costumes. That costume era, there was some really bad costumes. Like like that was Colossus's worst costume design. Which one? Uh, the, that that weird red and white one that he had. Like uh, do you remember that? It oh, the like, one the one that had the uh the panel that went across the button. Yeah, down. yeah. It was like I like that one. That, I actually like that Colossus. Oh, it was hard. And the Magneto <laughs> with the big M on it. Hey, that was weak. Like uh, the Fenris costumes were kind of weird. Like that, 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 they, they were bizarre. They were very 80s. Yeah. Even, even Rogue's orange, like, like sweater, like dress thing with the, with the sash around the waist. And that's all I'm saying. It's like, I'm not saying that he's not bad. It was just some of the designs of that time were kind of weak. It just, uh, wasn't my favorite. It it got all the terrible things they did with Kitty O, the the shattering. I mean, she, they just could never really, she just looked better with just the white and the yellow and black costume. That's probably her best. I'll tell you. My favorite kitty costume is the aerial costume. Oh, with God. the uh, with the, the headband. No, no, not the uh, the one where uh, where she's got the roller skates on and the multicolored like thigh high socks, God. and then that big pointed Catwoman mask. <laughs> it's like, whoa, it's like, I mean, come on, they just didn't know what to do with her, man. They didn't, but it, but they played it up really well. It's like here's a 15 year old playing superhero. And this is her idea of like looking like a superhero. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, she was just trying, and and then, you know, like all the weird stuff you're wearing as a kid trying to fit in. Yeah. You might go through a phase, like uh, yeah. I'm, I guess that's true. I'm still a fan of those Art Adams uh graduation costume from the New Mutants Annual. The where, first one. Yeah. That, I see. I didn't have that one. Where they go into the trunk, they're like, "Well, I guess we're going to beat the X Men now. Like these are our graduation suits." And uh, Cannonball had the purple suit with the uh, the the big white helmet. Uh, you should look them up. They're 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 kind of out there, did, but did, it's, they're cool. Did you uh, speaking of Chris Claremont, still his run like when Jim Lee started to take over, 
on the main book on Uncanny, they reverted to the yellow and black costumes. I didn't really like that. See, I like the I like the incorporation. I was the next thing I was gonna mention was the incorporation of the 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 yellow and black slash yellow and blue costumes with their regular. But maybe it's because Gambit wearing his coat with the the X Men costume on. I, I thought that was kind of cool. See, like and we were looking it up here on eBay, like just to look at the covers and stuff, and like that one issue that we were looking at where um, they're carrying away um, Professor. X like uh, you can't get that purple yeah the, the, yeah on. did that even happen inside the book I was gonna say like did that she looks like flash dance or something looks like she's gonna go to dancing class <laughs> it is horrible <laughs> like yeah as soon as the funeral's over she's gonna run to, to Stevie Hunter <laughs> Stevie Hunter's like, <laughs> like dance studio like, and drop some end bombs <laughs> oh Peter's gonna drop a bucket of water on her so yeah I mean but I. I Peter Rasputin, sorry, that's not going to sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, those those were cool. I mean, I, I dug, I, 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 anyway, I like the, like I said, the, putting that in there and making you feel for those characters and making them so real, so that when you did have the, you know, the uh, Archangel getting kidnapped by, um, or Angel, sorry, Angel at the time, being kidnapped by the Morlocks. Yeah. And then the Morlocks being down there, and uh, and, yeah, and and speaking of like that, there's one of those super creepiest guys like that actually. Even as a kid, I thought, man, that's messed up. Caliban. Yeah, the creepy, rapey Caliban, <laughs> one the Sprite Child. He was calling her the Sprite Child, and he wanted a Sprite Child as his his bride. Do you remember the do you remember the cover with them being on the front yeah. Mary and she got the tears coming out of her face? Yeah, it's 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 horrible, man. It's like even as a kid, I was just like, that's some. And he's like, it's gonna be all right, precious. I mean, he had a very like a uh, like golem like quality to him, you know. Well, but I I will say this because I don't remember that. I mean, I remember it, but I don't remember it that much because in order to. Let's see. I remember she had to agree to marry him in order to free Angel. Yeah. Uh, Which was a very weird plan, right? I'm going to kidnap this guy so you marry this guy who really didn't have any power or clout in the the Morlocks society. That's another thing that it makes. It wasn't like he was the leader or anything. He was just – I mean, why? Just that that doesn't make sense. I I have to go back and read that one. It's been a while. Uh, but and then she promised she was gonna like do it and then she didn't and then they kidnapped her and then Caliban was like wait you don't love Caliban she's like no why would I I don't really know you and you're really creepy you're like Caillou if he grew up <laughs> <laughs> that cartoon is so weird man. it is <laughs> and uh, and then he and then he lets you go he's like oh well you don't love me then you know never mind. Yeah, I'll let you go. And, you know, what's kind of cool is that Caliban never came back after he, like, Apocalypse did all that stuff to him. and never came back to him and be like, hey, kitty, like, look at me. I'm all jacked now. Yeah. You want some of this now? Huh? Yeah. She'd be like, no. She'd just phase out. <laughs> and that's the one thing. They, she wouldn't have to worry about consummating the marriage, right? I mean, she just phase. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> God, just hold it. Just hold it there, Sprite Child. <laughs> And this you cannot blame on a Comey. This is you. This is you. But it's creepy. Okay, 
This is like maybe one chink in the armor for uh, Claremont here. The rapey <laughs> Caliban phase is not a good one. I'm sure he probably encountered somebody in New York that made him like think about that. Like, this is not right at all. <laughs> I got to write a, a book about it. I got to put this in a story. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, let's take a small, a, a, a small. I don't know how long the, the ad break's gonna be, but we'll just stop here for a nice little ad. I don't think you're gonna get any ads for this one, like we will. with, with, with the <laughs> we'll, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think there's like a new like 30th anniversary edition of like uh, Dangerous uh, is coming out, so we'll probably get an ad for that. Okay. <laughs> I really am. I'm just horrible. I'm a horrible, horrible person. Uh, all right. So, I thought you were going to go eyes wide shut area, but okay. No, no. I said I went Michael Jackson, so that's <laughs> <laughs> that's a little worse. <laughs> well, I mean, it's appropriate. All right, cut. So, um, so back to uh, Chris Claremont and, and the Morlocks and all that. But you know, when when you see Angel caught by the Morlocks, well, first when you see him getting getting kidnapped by Sunder, and then you know with the Morlocks, they're chilling, they're chilling in the t- uh, hot tub, like in the hotel, and then they they they, they... no, uh, Candy Southern shows up at his house and she finds these feathers all over the place. And she's walking uh, upstairs, and she runs into Sunder, and uh, and then because she's the one that calls the X Men. <clears throat> For some reason, I thought her Kurt and his the, the magician chick thought they were in a tub or something. I don't know. No, you're thinking of Amanda Sefton. Oh, okay, okay. Her Nightcrawler. <clears throat> okay. He always show up there at her house, with like laying on her couch. You know, holding a bottle of uh, champagne in his tail, a little Banff doll sitting there. It's amazing how the Banff doll that I'm not even sure who created that or where it came from. Then was like, oh, hey, there really are some Banffs. Like, really? That's um weird. But okay. But Sunder attacks them too, right? No. Just, uh, just, uh, I know Amanda Septon. Amanda Septon and Nightcrawler got attacked by somebody at one point, but I don't remember who because because she because she fights back and they're like, oh shit, we know she had powers too. And yeah. she's like, I don't have powers, I'm a witch. Um, but I, I don't remember who. Uh, but anyway, so going from that, you know, again, you Angel's all messed up. Um, this of course is before X Four uh, X Factor, and then we go into. Uh, you know, the brood thing, Rogue joined the team, and then shortly after Rogue joined the team is when we, you know, the uh, the Brotherhood show up and turn Colossus into uh, a living statue. Now I'm going to tell you, man, that was some serious heartbreaking stuff for me. That, because that whole scene is just, I just remember reading that and getting to that end. You know, for those of you that have never read that, that don't know it, um, the, uh, so the, I guess the full story is Rogue had joined the X-Men um, in 171 because she was sick of not being able to control her powers and she wanted to control her powers and she thought that the only person that could really help her was Xavier. So she asked if she could join the team and he let her in. And um, the uh, Mystique was, was very angry about that because she thought that somehow 
Charles uses telepathy to lure her in and to take her away from uh, from the Brotherhood, and more importantly, take away from her, you know, her mom uh, slash dad slash mom. I'm not really quite sure, you know, how that played out and everything else. Or, or I mean, I know how it played out, but it's just it's just weird, you know, yeah. the, the whole mystique and destiny thing and and all that, which uh, yeah, I guess I never liked destiny. Mystique was like the first, like you know, milf chaser. I guess because well no because there's nothing about destiny I wanted to get with no um, but anyway so uh, so she was actually going to kill Xavier and was had, had this whole scheme laid out to take on Xavier but first she kind of like separated the X Men so it was uh, it was that issue and it was uh, Colossus Kitty. Um, they were going to like the Lincoln Center. They're going to see like a play or an opera or something. And uh, I believe that uh, maybe Nightcrawler and uh, and Amanda Septon were were there as well. So it was kind of like they were like doing a couples thing. And before they actually even get into the building, before they've actually gone to to see the performance, there's an explosion at a nearby building. Colossus then sends Kitty off for help, and he armors up, kind of ripping out of his uh, his suit or tuxedo, and goes running into uh, into the building. And when he gets up there, it turns out that it's like a, a hologram, and there's no screams. He hears these people screaming, you know, and there's no screams, there's no people, there's no flames, and uh, it was the um, it was the the Hellfire. I'm not assuming the Hellfire Club. It was the uh, the Brotherhood. So with Brotherhood, you had um, you know Avalanche. Pyro, I think Blob was there too. Uh, see, Mastermind wasn't there because I don't think Mastermind was ever really a part of Mystique's Brotherhood. He was always a part of Magneto's Brotherhood. And uh, so at that point, um, uh, Pyro ends up grabbing Colossus. Uh, I think the Blob like ends up hitting him and uh, knocking him out, out of the window. He's, he's high up. He's like on the one of the top floors of the building. And Pyro creates this huge flame bird. It's it's not not a phoenix, but it's like this huge flame bird. And he just kind of grabs Colossus in midair and just holds him there. And I believe it says something in the panel about how the bird has enough substance to be able to hold him, but not enough that he can can fight back. And it holds him there and it just heats him up to like white hot. And then it throws him down into this nearby uh, rail yard, and uh, and it throws him down there. And so Colossus is he's just just white hot, and he's kind of uh, melting everything around him. And of course, he's just been thrown like you know, like twenty or thirty stories straight to the ground. And Avalanche is there, and there is this uh, this tanker, this uh, tanker car that's filled with liquid nitrogen, and he uses his abilities to rupture the the tanker. And it just dumps all this liquid nitrogen on top of this, like, you know, white hot colossus. But because he was heated up so quickly and then frozen so quickly, his body just is cracked. He's just this, this statue, this uh, this living statue of uh, organic metal um, that has been cooled and then frozen. And now it's just cracked all the pieces. And he was just stuck in that position, that in that drawing, which um, I don't remember if that was Smith or if that was Romita. I'm thinking I think Romita. it was I think it was Romita with like a inker, a different type of inker. He did it. Like, Probably like Dan Green. Yeah, or something like that. 
but that that image of him there that's that's a that's a frightening he he looks like he's in yeah, he's pain. stuck and you really think he's not gonna be okay yeah and they're like you have no idea and i think it was like two issues before they figured out like well how to save him yeah because like to be honest i don't even remember how they did it like so when it came out at the time i ended up missing that issue and got the one after it and i had to hunt down the other one because we talked about that before like you know just not knowing when books were coming out but uh so during while that was going on mystique had slipped into the x-men mansion um disguised as rogue and shot xavier uh and he found out the last minute he like picked up on her intentions and was able to kind of slightly dodge <clears throat> and uh and so she shot xavier and uh and that's when the rogue shows up it's like no he didn't trick me and and all that and then they just kind of walked away and mystique was like okay i'm gonna let her stay and i'm not gonna attack you but you're not gonna let anything bad happen to my daughter and all that of course they'd already fucked colossus up in the meantime in order to free him or to save him they went and got the uh the morlock healer and they had rogue touch colossus and absorb um take on his physical attributes so she was going to turn into like this like this um living metal statue thing but when that happened colossus of course when she absorbs his power he's going to turn back to normal but all those cracks in his skin were still going to stay so that's why the morlock healer was there to like grab him right away and heal him he was out of commission for a while and the thing with rogue was she wasn't sure if that was going to be permanent. So if she touched him and took that on, was that going to be permanent for her? Was she going to turn into that kind of like statue thing and stay that way? But she felt guilty for everything that had gone on because it was because of her that Mystique, you know, flipped her wig. And so she did it. Yeah. But I mean, that was, I mean, that was crazy. And then soon after that, you had the, the massacre. And again, you've got people, but this time when, when, uh, when Claremont, you know, had that happen, I mean, you're killing mutants left, right, and, and there's another thing with Claremont is the build up to something like the mutant massacre. Well, like it was set with 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 Storm taking over leadership, and she just left. Right. There was there was a vacuum, and like nobody was there to yeah to really help out, and that's yeah. one of the things that she got blamed for. That's yeah. why she gave like leadership back to Callisto. So like you should have been there to protect us, mm-hmm. and you weren't. You went back up there with all the pretty people to the surface, and it's it's kind of true. Yeah, you can argue it. Uh, but remember the buildup, you had, um, scalp hunter and, uh, blockbuster and all them mm-hmm. hunting down. And it would just be like, here's a scene where someone's like hunting these people down and killing them. But you didn't know until a couple of issues later when like, all, all hell broke loose. Well, it reminded me when it started up, was it a 12 that it started? God, I don't remember. Cause that was, that was an anniversary issue too. Cause remember it was Wolverine on the cover and it had the, it was the Marvel oh, 25th yeah. on it. Like, uh, the, um, basically, like, it kind of reminded me of God Loves Man's Kills, where they're chasing the kids at that one. But this one, they're chasing, um, a Hellion, or not Hellion, um, one of the, uh, with a, Morlock. No, no, no. Um, the, uh, am I getting it confused? Like, the, the Hellfire Club guy, he's trying to get one of the one, people to escape. Didn't that start it up, the Mutant Massacre? No, um, Maybe I'm the wrong. first thing I remember with Mutant Massacre is when Beautiful Dreamer and somebody else were trying to get away and they were being chased through like a rail yard. And yeah, it was it was a Hellfire Club guy, right? 
No, that was, was it? it was Harpoon. They threw the harpoon and hit her. It was her and somebody else. Okay, maybe I'm getting confused. And uh, hit her with the harpoon and, and killed her. Um, and then, because, uh, you know, that was all the um, the marauders. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sanders' marauders. Yeah, maybe I'm getting confused. I thought that was the beginning of the Mutant Massacre there for some reason. You you thinking about, uh, like, Cole making a Reese and all them, or? Um, I'm going to look it up, because I just okay. want to make sure. And maybe maybe I'm I'm wrong. I'm thinking about something else too, because it does it does when you got all these like like storylines kind of crossing back and forth and interweaving, it does get yeah, get a little confusing. Yeah, and it's been a while since we read them, you know. Uh, which you know probably for the podcast we probably should have you know, read them, but see, we're not doing a you know like a dissection of the of this. We're talking about you know the stories that. That you know, really, just we just like really loved, at least for me. Um, but you know, the X Men go down there, and then you know, if you watch that uh, that Claremont's X Men documentary that's on Amazon, and they talk about how everybody kind of wanted to get in on that, and that really made it feel more real too. When you had Thor down there in the tunnels, and then you had you know all these different people there, even though Thor's like what was going on with him was small, but it was also what made it, I think great for that was the it was so so well like uh connected yeah because I think when Thor did his one piece in part of the uh, of the tunnels uh the uh that then one of the uh issues of like X Factor or whatever there was like a like explosion like hey what's going on over there and then you know editors notice like see Thor issue blah blah blah. But it, you know, it was it was tied together. You felt it as, you know, as opposed to them being like, "Oh, I'm over here, and you're over here, and you're over here." But then you've got, um, you have, uh, let's see, Riptide cut up. Uh, let's see, Nightcrawler grabbed. Was it ArcLight? Oh, cause uh, uh, wasn't Vertigo with them? Um, I don't know. Scalp Hunter, um, Riptide, I think Arclight, Vertigo, and was the other guy's name Harpoon? I know he threw Harpoon. But I don't yeah, remember his yeah name. I, I think that was his name. And uh, and Nightcrawler grabs the one and teleports him several times to kind of you know disorient and make him sick. And when he teleported him the last time, the final like jump. Riptide appeared behind him and like just got him caught up in his little whirlwind thing and just and messed him all up and that's what set Colossus off and he just starts marching towards him and like all the shurikens and sides and stuff are just sticking out of Colossus' skin because as he's getting closer they're just being I think it's described him being thrown with like hurricane force and he gets up there and he just snaps that guy's neck um and then uh I think Harpoon or somebody hit him with something. And then Kitty tried to phase, and uh, I know she got hit with a harpoon, and that put her into that permanent intangibility. Yeah. And so that took the three of them off of the, uh, the out of the X Men book for a while, and you never really found out what happened to them for the long, longest time. You know, uh, eventually Nightcrawler got better, and Kitty got okay, and they joined um, Excalibur. But Colossus was out of the X-Men for a long, long time. Yeah. And even with Kitty, she didn't, like, 
they, I think, because um, they went to um, uh, Reed Richards to get help to try to fix her. And that was in the um, X-Men Fantastic Four four-issue series with, uh, was it John Bogdanov artwork? I think he did that. It was actually Bogdanov, whatever you, yeah. I don't know how you say that. It was, it was before, I believe he's the one that did it, and it was before, um, yeah. That's Brett Blevins, isn't it? Looks like it. Because that fa- that Riptide face is not a... Uh, yeah. That's not a John Romita Jr. It was a New Mutants tie-in issue. Because he didn't ever drew an issue. I don't think he ever drew an issue of X-Men. Blevins? I don't know. Let's see. That would have... Was that before... Um, see, Mutant Massacre was after... Sinkavich's run. Remember, they had some mutant massacre tie-ins because remember Sabretooth was down in the tunnels with them, mm-hmm. like because uh, that's when you got the uh, let's see Sabretooth round two came later when uh, during that Alan Davis run. Yeah. So. So anyway, um, uh, Kitty and the um. The X-Men Fantastic Four uh, limited series, that's when the whole thing came out that maybe Free Richards had planned um, on the whole, what happened to the Fantastic Four was all part of his plan. He had done that on purpose, knowing that the cosmic rays were going to affect them. But then it turns out that he could not, uh, he couldn't uh, cure Kitty. He couldn't change her back to the way she was. And instead, she had to, instead of having to concentrate to turn intangible, she had to focus to become tangible. And so her natural state then became being intangible, And but she learned how to focus and work it, and then she joined X-Factor, but Colossus was still out of the picture. And then he brought in some new people. Uh, Claremont brought some new people in. Um, I think, I'm trying to see, who came in after that time? I think Jubilee came in. Um, I just are, never liked Jubilee. Well, I never got into it. Well, she she wasn't immediate because um, she was just there because of the cartoon. I mean, well, she was in the cartoon first, right? Or would the cartoon come after? No, I think she. I think the um, cartoon came after. It did. Okay. Yeah. Jubilation. Lee. She was a, a a nice little Robin knockoff for uh, for Wolverine to pal around with. But I like their. I like their, their, their kind of union there. Wolverine the Big Softy. But I mean, there's just that, you know, you felt for those characters. And I remember not knowing what was going on with them. And I was like, okay, what's going on with them? Where are they? What's going on? And it's like, you know, when, when are they coming back? Are they dead? Because you didn't hear anything about them. Are they dead? So that was, uh, that, that was, that was really nice kind of seeing that. And knowing those characters what you did so that when those things happened, you really were concerned for them. And it made the book feel more real. So, you know, when when things got uh when it got hairy, then you were you were you were concerned. Yeah, he was good at it, man. Like and he kept it going forever. Yeah, he did. Uh and you know, even though it seemed like, oh, this this is happening again, or that we've already seen this kind of thing, it's like, yeah, but you haven't seen it like this. Um so that was that was really cool. Uh, that's one of the things I loved about his storytelling and what made me such a big X-Men fan because one, they, they act like a family and you see it all the time with them playing softball 
you know, or just the, the little interactions between them as far as characters go. They hung out together. You don't see that with anything like, you know, I think we mentioned this before, like Justice League. You don't see them just hanging out. They do that more now with like Superman and Batman, Clark and uh, and Bruce. But you don't see them just hanging out just normally. Uh, you used to see it back in the day, but even then it was just select people like, oh, you know, Ollie and Hal are going to go run off and do this thing. And even then later on, you have like uh, Wally and Kyle, uh, Kyle Rayner, they would kind of go off and maybe hang out a little bit. But otherwise, you didn't really see them all just hanging out, you know, just hmm, going to a movie or doing this or doing that. So it, it made them feel more real. It made them, you know, just kind of gave you that, that, uh, that emotional connection to them. So that's what I love about Claremont. It made those those really those those hard moments, those tough moments. That, you know, it gave them that real gut punch. Here, here, here it is, man. I, I'm sorry, I was just I was no, looking no, this up no, the whole ahead. time. I found it. The Uncanny X Men number two ten. In Los Angeles, a Morlock Tommy is fleeing the Marauders. Her companion, a Hellfire thug named Richard, is gunned down, but Tommy escapes back to New York City. When she gets to the Morlock t- tunnels, the Marauders who were tracking her kill her. Okay. Like, like, uh. So I didn't remember that, that the person she was with was a Hellfire person. Yeah. But they weren't after Tommy, though. They were after her. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that's how it started. That's why it was like, because it reminded me so much of, uh, the, um. God Love Kill. Yeah, yeah. That's why I felt like I was kind of on the, onto it. Yeah. Because I felt like that. I felt so bad for the kids when they killed and God Love Man Kills. And it felt so similar because I was like, oh, so they just want to be together. Why can't they just be together? <laughs> and like Chris Claremont. <laughs> and I didn't even know those characters. They were just like people who just came out of nowhere. They were just people trying to escape. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever happened to uh, Cat's Eye from, the, from uh, the Hellfire Club, the Hellions? I don't know. Well, they're starting up a sh- uh, series of the Hellions. They're doing another. Well, yeah, I guess with everything that's going on now with yeah. Krakoa, that they're all still alive. Yeah. Or they can be brought back. Yep. And what was the deal with the one guy that um, was the, the the flying guy on the Hellions team? They had the the, the jetpack for a spine. Yeah, that was weird, man. I don't know what happened to him. Like he's because he, he fought Cannonball, right? Yeah. There's that there's that cover of him um, like zigzagging on Cannonball and like punched him. I think it's a Sinkevich cover too. We've talked about it before, but like, uh, is it Empath that that he kind of has like purple man powers and he made? Yeah. He, he, did we did we talk about that already? We did. Like, a, yeah, like that. Did you talk about that being one of your favorite issues? That was not not, not favorite. Favorite, but, loved it, but, but, but messed up, messed yeah. up that he did that to him. See, that's the thing. You, I mean, you old guy, you start remembering all the stuff and then you talk about it a million times. But I I think that uh, the new music give Paramount a chance to go a lot. Darker and a lot heavier in tone than you did with any code X Men. But yeah, that was. It. I mean, those were those were all good books, man. I loved them. Even even the ones that just seemed like they were kind of like not throwaway, but just like little standalones. And that's another thing too. Back then, is that you had most of your issues were standalone issues. It was like here's a um like here's a, a story. I'm going to tell you the complete story right here. Well, in in this one issue, but you could do that because you've made a connection with these characters. 
Well, and it was before the event era, too, where they mandatorily made it that you had to have that. Mm-hmm. Like Inferno, Fall of the Mutants, all that stuff. Okay. But then, like, the stories that weren't like that were Genosha with Marshall Vestry. Mm-hmm. And he had Rick Leonardi filling in some of those issues. Genosha that was, was a good. great, great storyline. I mean, that's the last time I think it was, like, at its peak. And then it just kind of, like, it just never could get back to that after that point. I mean, it was good at levels, and he was still doing it, nothing against him. But then John Romita Jr. came back on with his weird wonky style, and there was good issues, but it just was really never the same after that. And, uh, and I got to talk about this, because it is a John Romita Jr. You and I have talked about it separately before. Yeah. Is that Cullen Gath story. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember... You know, because I talked about how not always knowing when comic books were coming out or when the, na- the next issue was coming out. I remember getting that that issue and opening it up, and there is Spider-Man strung up, and it, it always it was always just so powerful for me because he's got like it's not a big deal, but he's sitting there strung up, and there's that the blood is just like like dripping from his like his bootless foot. You can see like the sole of his foot, and he's hanging there, and and I remember getting an issue, and I'm like, okay, what the hell is going on here? And I went back, and I looked, and I was like, no, I didn't miss an issue in between. I was like, okay, so I don't remember this happening. And well, I, even, even the cover is misleading because isn't it like Vision and Colossus going up against each other in the front? Like it's a yeah. really weird issue. It's like yeah. it's, it's a non-X-Men-y issue, you know. And, and to be honest, I've never read it. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I've never read that. We've talked about it like I. I need to read it. I've got it. I've had it forever. I just, you know, for whatever reason. There's there's certain ones I haven't read. So I was a kid in a lot of that stuff. So. so going back to this is, um, yeah, that cover has a bunch of faces in the background, different mutants, and it's got Colossus and Vision on the front fighting, and they're in these kind of weird outfits, and um, and Vision's hand is like phasing through Colossus' chest in that cover. Mm-hmm. The next cover is an orange cover with Cullen Gath, like standing uh, in the background, um, and on the and on the ground, like at, at his feet, is like he's like merging Professor Xavier and Caliban into like one person. Um, it, They're using him right now in Savage Avengers as the main bad guy. Cullen. Cullen Gath, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, it's kind of interesting. I, I like it. Like, uh, and there was a mini series with Red Sonia and Spider Man mm-hmm. where, um. He was kind of the well, you know, they had that that Marvel team up with yeah. Red Sonia, where like Mary, Mary Jane changed into Red Sonia for a little bit, and like they fought Colin Gath, and like uh, well, but, okay. but he's a villain of Conan, and like in Savage Avengers, you know, they brought Conan back, so it makes sense that he's there, and he's got ties to Venom because Venom's on the team too, and Venom was in that storyline with Colin Gath because he actually took part of the symbiote, and then part of that came back with him. It, it, anyway, it's 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 a good series. So I'm gonna hold on to that thought there because um, with that um, that Colin Gath issue of Uncanny, I was I, I once I got that part, I was like I must be missing something, and I ne- I kind of stopped and kept and went back and I'm like, well maybe there's some, another issue or something that I didn't. Maybe it was a Spider-Man crossover, and then when I read a little bit more into it, then I was like, oh, like something happened and turned it to this this world. Um, but if you go back a couple issues, there's a, a fisherman, oh, I'm sorry, he's a, he's not a fisherman, he's a, uh, he works at a fish market, and he cuts open this fish, and inside is this necklace. 
That's and how he comes out. Right, and that's how Colin Gath came out. And that's the same way he came out in the team-up. Well, that's what I was going to get to there, yeah. is that Chris Claremont wrote that team-up like several years before, mm-hmm. and that team-up ends with Spider-Man tossing the necklace into, into, the, the, into the lake. Ah, see? Uh, he, see? That's, that's awesome. Man. And then I a fish ended up that. swallowing it. They pulled it up. The the guy at the fish market cuts it open, gets the necklace, and it just starts. But that whole thing with him finding a necklace was like several issues back. And then next thing you know, this whole thing just starts up, and it's like, well, this came out of nowhere. Yeah, because that no, cause, it didn't. Because that um, yeah, he he always he always knows, man. Like uh, he that issue of Marvel team up was years before. That. I mean, it might have been five or six years yeah. before that, man. Maybe. Even longer. That's incredible. He's like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna. Anything is he was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this thing around. So, oh, I remember that we tossed his necklace into the, you know, into the the harbor or the Hudson River or whatever it was, and I'm just gonna pull up this guy, finds a necklace, and and the thing is, I think it's when we watch the documentary where he's like, I don't have anything to write, and then Louise is like, oh, remember you had this dangling thread here? It's like he just drops something out there, and it's like whenever I feel like touching on it, I will. Holy cow, man, you're not even going to believe this. What? I'm going to look it up. Because I know which issues there are. It's like a, that Marvel team up. Mm-hmm. If people want to look it up. That's a John Byrne issue, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that came out in 1978. Damn. So I was off on that. I thought it was at least 80s. So that other one was 84, 85, maybe? I'm going to mm. look at it. Because it was 190 or 191, right? No, something like that, yeah. It was much later. It was later. Let's look up the issue. I think it, it said 78, but I don't know. Look again, because I already got off of it. It was Marvel Team Up. Yeah, 79. And then X-Men 190, I think. Or 191. Seven years. And that was seven years before he told the story, and that's seven years before he dropped the first plot thread <laughs> that he was going to tell the story. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Oh. You want to take a break, man? Uh, I was wondering. I was trying to see if you really want to just kind of stop it here and then pick it back up with the uh, on the next episode. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I think uh, we might just go ahead and just stop it here. Okay. So. All right, so we'll pick this up back up. I wasn't trying to do a whole episode on Chris Claremont again. Um, but, but he's I, so good. Yeah, but I think we can wrap it up. Uh, says the guy wearing the John Byrne Wolverine t-shirt, which is <laughs> – that's a, that's a Claremont too, isn't it? I don't know if he was writing it at this point, but yeah. he started off the series. Yeah. All right, patch. so uh, – yeah, Patch. <laughs> patch and Madripoor. Madripoor. All right, so – this is Turk182 and uh, Wallcrawler1. Wallcrawler1. And uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of In the Gutters. So if you uh, if you enjoyed this, let us know what you think. So uh, until next time, you know, God, I don't want to say keep reading comics. That's a Stan Lee thing. But, you know, um, just read more comics. Read lots of comics. Read just, just stay away from Bill Keane. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a comment like that. Just stay away from from Jim Davis and Bill Keen and and we'll be cool. All right. Bye.